0: This episode of Saturday Morning Rewind is brought to you by Voice Chasers, celebrating voice actors and the craft of voiceover since 1996. Visit them online at voicechasers.com to learn more about this episode's guest or any other voice actor. Welcome to Saturday Morning Rewind. A show dedicated to the love of animation and feeling
1: like a kid again. So, let's go back in time to when cats defended Third Earth. Sword of Omens, give me sight beyond sight. A masked duck protected the streets of St. Canard. I am the terror
0: that flaps in the night.
1: And knowing was half the battle.
0: Yo, show!
1: Let's go back with Saturday Morning Rewind and your host, Tim Nydell.
2: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Saturday Morning Rewind, the show that takes you back to your childhood one interview at a time. And of course, I'm your host, Tim Nidale. Please follow me on Instagram and Twitter. It's at Saturday Rewind, and you can find us online at SaturdayMorningRewind.com. So this is also the final week that I'll talk about this. Remember that the Saturday Morning Rewind Fan Get Together is happening this Thursday, July 13th at 6 p.m. in downtown Disney Anaheim, right next to the Lego store. I'll be standing right next to the giant Beauty and the Beast statue made at the Legos. And hopefully I can meet some of you guys there because it'd be great to interact with fellow cartoon lovers such as yourself. I got some free stuff to hand out and we can hang out just for a little bit afterwards and just get to know each other. It'd be a lot of fun. Also, make sure to check out our Patreon campaign if you want to help us out financially. Even $2 a month honestly helps out. So go to our website and check out our Patreon page. We also have a brand new toll-free voicemail number that you guys can call. Leave a voicemail. And we'll play the voicemail on an upcoming episode. So if you ever want to do that, the number is one 833 smr Tune. That's 1-833-767-8666. So if you have a cartoon you want to talk about, you have a voice actor you want me to get on the show, leave a voicemail and I'll play it on one of the episodes. It'd be great. But anyways, I don't know about you guys, but one of my all-time favorite cartoons growing up, still is, honestly, was Muppet Babies. So I'm so happy to announce that Greg Berg is on our show today. Of course, he was the voice of Baby Fozzie on Muppet Babies.
1: 10 o'clock central time, waka waka waka. There's a killer back on the loose. Run for your life.
2: He also voiced Baby Scooter on Muppet Babies.
1: Okay, Nanny, microscopes are neat because they let you see things that are too small to see with your eyes. All you do is put something under here, adjust the light with this mirror, and focus with this knob. What do you want to look at first? Two
2: amazing and classic characters, and he really gave them a great personality and great voice. And some people may not know this, but Greg also filled in for Barry Gordon on Ninja Turtles, the original Ninja Turtles as Donatella and Bebop, when Barry had to take a quick break.
1: Never mind him, we've got to stop this heat break. I've got an idea. Throw your turtle comms at the lenses.
2: So of course we talk about all that stuff in my interview. And also along with some of his commercial work and his voice matching work, which is impeccable. And so here we go. Here is my interview with Greg Berg. Our show is all about reliving childhood memories, going back in time and talking about those great childhood memories. What was your childhood like as a kid?
1: Well, I grew up uh, in my uh, teens in Akron, Ohio. Prior to that, I was living in Cleveland, Ohio, a more urban area, and uh, moved to the country suburbs of uh, Ohio there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just typical, had a morning paper out and uh, went to school like everybody else, no special kind of uh, art school or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I think there was maybe one or two theater places you could go to to study acting and and such so it wasn't really on my mind to get into anything like that wow. then so i grew up uh yeah uh, a simple little town
2: nice what what about any favorite cartoon characters or favorite animated features what about those
1: Yes, well, way back then was when, uh, when I was a kid. Uh, we still had the three channels at, at one point. Uh, we never did get the UHF stations. Oh. Uh, it was just uh, we watched whatever our parents had. So uh, uh, I was watching regular TV on three networks there. So to entertain ourselves, we, we would watch the same cartoons that uh, everybody else uh, would watch. The Bugs Bunny show on one channel; the other ones had the Huckleberry Hound show
0: mm-hmm.
1: and Hanna-Barbera cartoons. And uh, I, I just enjoyed watching it because I guess back then things moved quite along in animation. You know, they they kept things rolling uh, so you didn't get bored. And so I would watch regular TV cartoons. And then uh, favorites in theaters, uh, typical Disney movies that came to town, course, uh, Mary yeah. Poppins,
2: uh, yes.
1: uh, No White. But nothing really intrigued me from watching uh, certain movies that were animated. Uh, it just was something that uh, one day I said, uh, I, I want to do Silly Voices, and, <laughs> and there, there it took off, I guess,
2: we, we talked a little bit yesterday about you actually doing some work for Rick Dees radio station. What, what did you do for Rick Dees?
1: Well, Rick Dees came into town about the same time I did, and I had a radio background from Akron and, and where I uh, worked at a various number of radio stations in the city. There were about three or four of them. I think I worked at three of them. And uh, when I came into L.A., I thought, okay, if... Uh, I need something to do. I'll look up a radio station and try to get into that. But I wasn't really looking. I was taking voice acting workshops and was auditing them just to see what I felt comfortable with Mm -hmm. because they would take you out of the radio voice type of uh, situation and teach you how to do commercials and characters uh, depending which uh, workshop you went to. So I was at one that was uh, I was auditing at, and uh, in the middle of the workshop, as I'm watching, the coach to the other voice actors who were paying to be there said, we have a special guest here today who needs some crowd noises for a new radio show that he's going to be doing. And she introduced him. It was Rick Dees. And I don't know if L.A. had really heard of him. Uh, he was known for his record, Disco Duck, as well as being in radio. So I kind of related with him uh, when he came came into the room. And I uh, said, yeah, I did radio and all that. And he says, well, we're looking for people who could do voices or silly voices, and I'll play it on the show. Well, okay. Uh, I was doing silly voices as a kid, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, Back east, And uh, so I said, I'm just here to watch, though. I wasn't here part of the class. He says, No, I need as many people as we can get to sound like a crowd and clap and cheer and say, Ooh, and all that <laughs> for when he uh, wants to record it and play it uh, after a bad joke or something like that. And then he says, And anybody here do any voices, impressions, or whatever? And a few of the people raise their hands saying, Oh, I do a great Nixon, or I do. Ford or Lyndon Johnson, and I raised my hand and says, "Well, I kind of do Gabe Kaplan, which was uh, on, a, on the show Welcome Back, Cotter Actually, okay. a comic star of the show." And I said, I'd do John Travolta's voice, who was also on the same show, because it was a comedy show, and I really liked it. Mm-hmm. So he said, well, let's just do, do some of the voices. And I started to say, hi, this is Gabe Kaplan, and uh, you're listening to Rick Dees in the morning. And and he said, okay, uh, who else current do you do? And I was just pulling names out of the air that I thought my voice sounded like. I said, well, you know, I sound like John Travolta if I do this, but it's the, the Vinnie Barbarino kind of John Travolta. And he said, oh, my gosh, could you call us in the morning when we do the show and just say that you're him or just <laughs> not not say that you're him, but we'll give that impression. Uh-huh. And uh, so I, I started calling in with uh, really silly jokes that uh, uh, I, I just thought uh, uh, would fit the show because, again, I was raised in radio as well. And, uh, he said we'll call back again next week or next week after that. So I kept calling in and, uh, I became a regular character and we were calling him, uh, John, I guess at that point and giving the impression it was Travolta maybe, but wh- who would think he would be telling dumb jokes? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, um, like, uh, one of the, type of jokes I would say is like you know something I was at my friend's house last night and we were playing uh uh Scrabble and I found out I didn't know how to spell so then we started playing Trivial Pursuit and I found out I don't know anything (laughs) and uh a couple weeks into it I get a call saying we're going to Still do the voice, but call him John Revolting. So people don't really think it's <laughs> yeah. because it was a close sound to him. And uh, so, for legal reasons, I guess that's why John Revolting came about. But uh, that voice worked on the show for about 20 years. Wow. Uh, Rick went on to superstardom in radio. And, yeah, uh,
2: no kidding. I, uh, I grew up loving him as a
1: kid. Yeah. years listening to him.
2: nice Well, i I, so i'm sure i've heard you multiple times on that show growing up in the early 80s i just never knew it was you
1: well that was one of them i mean if there was a celebrity i thought i could do i think one time when steve martin's movie the jerk came out okay i uh, i started playing with his voice because was kind of crossing there with a little of that uh uh, gave Kaplan tightness in the throat, so I, I called up, I said, Hey, Rick, this is Steve Martin, and I wanted to tell you, I'm in a new movie, but I don't want to promote it like a, a <laughs> jerk. And, uh, yeah, and every other sentence was something about a jerk, and so uh, he said, Yeah, you don't want to do that, Steve. No, no, no. So oh, you know, That's great. So we, we, we had a good playground for about 20 years on the Rick D's Morning Show when he was working in L.A., Nice, and, and, and it went worldwide as well because yeah. uh, he had the syndication.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's still on now, isn't he?
1: He's great. He's—I think he's still doing weekend shows. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe podcasts. I don't know. I, I haven't talked to him for a while because, again, I'm doing voiceovers, and he was doing broadcasting. Yeah, exactly.
2: Tell me about working and studying under
1: the great Dawes Butler. Dawes was, uh, I I had to search for Dawes uh, just because I thought, is he teaching or what? And then I heard word, yes, he, he was also teaching, and I would think, well, who, kind of would go to him, so maybe the big shots in town. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he was teaching people who were just interested in uh, voice acting. It wasn't like, hey, I want to do impressions and, and get them down right. I mean, it, later on, I found out he did have an act many, many years before his uh, cartoon worked as uh, doing different impressions. Mm-hmm. And he would do the face. It was a stage act, and he did the facial uh, expressions and everything. Well, so I found out where he was. I went over, talked to him about what I wanted to do, and uh, uh, I was almost like a sponge there because anytime he did a voice, I started try to do the same voice <laughs> at home and uh, surprise him maybe one day and, and say, you know, Hi. <laughs> Yeah, to do one of his characters. But then, you know, he's the king of the the voices.
2: And even after he passed away, didn't you do a couple of his iconic voices?
1: Well, as it turned out, being that I had such a good ear to try to voice match at that time, because I was also doing uh, voice matching for some films. Uh, I actually did a voice match for John Travolta in the movie Chains of Gold. Wow where there was a scene where John was on the phone and you couldn't really hear him as well. So I said, I'd do John on the phone with Rick Dees, but it was sillier. They said, okay, just adjust it. And I gave them that take and uh, they used it. Uh, Other movies I've done, Harvey Keitel's voice, and they uh, uh, needed uh, to pick up some uh, clear words Mm -hmm. that uh, Harvey wasn't going to come back to town and do. So (laughs) they thought of uh, bringing me in to try to match it, and I did it. Uh, so, yeah, we were talking about uh, doing, uh, you know, listening to Dodge Butler, and then after he passed on, uh, they needed somebody who can recreate uh, some of his characters for a special that was coming out called the uh, Hanna-Barbera's Anniversary Show. And I, I wound up being... Um, Doggy Doggy and uh, Baba Louie mm-hmm. with one or two words or a sense or something to just create the characters that uh, they all brought back together for this anniversary show.
2: I mean, you said you grew up watching Hanna-Barbera and then later in life you, you became a student of Dawes Butler and now you've come to kind of take over Ooh. a little bit of his legacy. That's got to be a huge, you know, achievement for you.
1: Well, the the big uh, uh, dream that came true for me was doing that anniversary show, because every, um, the, that was a time in voice recording when they would bring the whole cast oh, uh, who yeah. they wanted to go together. So I was in the room uh, standing next to the guy who did Fred Flintstone, which was at that time Henry Corden. Uh-huh. Uh, Alan Melvin, who did McGillagorilla, he was there. <laughs> and uh, Jane Vanderpile who was Wilma Flintstone, wow. and uh, Janet Waldo, who oh, was man. Uh, from the Jetsons. Yeah. yeah. So uh, there they were doing their little lines here and there, saying, you know, let's celebrate or whatever they had to say. And then they said, okay, now Greg's doing <laughs> Baba Louie and Oggy Doggy. And uh, so uh, I came in, but... I mean, just my my head was spinning inside (laughs) (laughs) saying I'm in this particular cartoon with the people I grew up watching. No kidding. It was incredible. I was just getting goosebumps. uh, When you talk about recreating Dawes' stuff as well, uh, after he passed away, Hanna-Barbera kicked out a new show called Yo-Yogi, which was Mm -hmm. uh, all the uh, characters they created in the past and making teenagers or a little bit younger mm-hmm. uh, and uh, they needed people to recreate some of those characters and I tried out for that naturally uh, after working with them on that little project and uh, uh, they auditioned me for whatever I thought I could do and I, since I studied with Dawes for a couple of years uh, I, I tried doing the Yogi Bear voice, mm-hmm. and I did Huckleberry Hound, and then I get a call back and say, they want you f- to be young Huckleberry Hound. Wow. So that was another feather in the cap. Yeah, no kidding. Wow. <laughs> telling me <laughs> I'm on the right track
2: with what I was uh, getting into. Exactly. And one of my favorite cartoons of all time still is Muppet Babies. How did you get attached to Muppet Babies?
1: Now, that was an interesting story uh, about that time that Muppet Babies came out they had a movie called Muppets Take Manhattan Mm -hmm. and uh, within the movie they were uh, they had the Muppets as little kids in the nursery and the original Muppeteers did the voices Frank Oz and uh, Jim Henson and uh, somehow it was in the works to do a uh, cartoon version of the muppets that were in that little scene and they put the call up to find people who could match those characters only as kids and maybe in town there were about 100 people that usually got called in to do cartoons uh back in those days and uh, so whoever was around, might have been a little older, couldn't do the younger version mm-hmm. of their voices, or didn't even know uh, who they were or whatever. So this was the 80s, so uh, uh, it was probably about 10 years before that when the Muppets actually came out with their Muppet show and all, but uh, they were known for Sesame Street and all that. But uh, So they put the call out. I went in there and saw audition. I was the new guy on the block as well, and... Uh, I matched for Fozzie Bear, something that the director liked. And uh, they also said to do this voice for Scooter. Now, Scooter, in the older Muppet shows, he was more like uh, the go-getter. and Hey, you're on in five more minutes, Miss Pinky. He was the stage manager and all that uh, for the Muppet show. And I said, well, if he was younger, maybe he'd be a little bit over here and be like, uh, hey, uh, come on over here, I've got something to show you on my computer. (laughs) And uh, it was bright and squeaky and that kind of thing. So I wound up also getting Scooter's voice. Fozzie Bear was more like a a baby bear compared to the grown-up Fozzie. Oddly enough, the animated Fozzie Bear growing up, and said, well, as long as I'm doing baby Fozzie, just hike my voice <laughs> up a little bit uh, to, to match the grown-up Fozzie. So, I uh, big Fozzie like this, and waka-waka-waka. And baby Fozzie was like this. So, uh, they were never in the same scene together.
2: And what about what about Jim Henson? Well, I'm sure you guys got a chance to meet Jim Henson a few times, right?
1: Well, uh, Jim was around maybe two years, uh... I'm trying to think of the dates. Uh, I'm not so sure how long he was around before he passed on. Uh, he had uh, uh, visited L.A. to meet the cast uh, at a little party they threw for them at the babies. And uh, he showed up, and Frank I showed up. Uh, and so we got to meet them at the party there. He did show up at one of our sessions, and we were hoping to get notes to say uh, what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong, mm-hmm. but I don't recall anybody in the cast being told anything, uh, hmm. so we were probably on track. Unless he told the director, and <laughs> then the director <laughs> would tell us. But no, exactly. I, I uh, had a great experience just to, we, we, I have a picture running around somewhere on the internet where uh, he posed with the whole cast on the balcony, and uh I was standing next to him
2: yeah i think I think you posted it on Facebook not too long ago, right yeah, yeah, great picture,
1: yeah, it was quite a memory uh but my my career had been such that uh I was still being impressed by meeting such greatness uh from talented performers and writers and directors and such. Uh, because when I was in radio as a teen in Akron, Ohio, I produced a celebrity talk show for radio oh. and whoever was in town, uh, for the Kenley theater, dinner theater players, uh, plays that came through town, uh, we would somehow get them to visit us and be interviewed so over the years in ohio i had the chance to meet shelly berman uh jim and jerry lewis came by mm-hmm. uh i think he was in cleveland at the time and uh it was some rare moments eve arden uh john Miner, dan rowan from rona martin's laughing wow uh richard Dawson. Oh, wow! so i met all these people as a team and I kept thinking in my mind, who, who knows, one day I might be working with them. Yeah, exactly. Keep them somewhere else uh, <laughs> in the business. And out of nowhere, when I made the move from Ohio to California, I, I wound up hooking into other types of uh, uh, venues that had celebrities involved. I worked at the world famous comedy store. Uh, in Hollywood, in Westwood, California at the time. They don't have the Westwood one anymore. But uh, at that time, I was meeting up-and-coming comedians as well. And again, it didn't faze me too much because I said, I've been around some of the best comedians Mm -hmm. before. Uh, And another side job I was doing, other than the comedy store work, I actually had a job writing cue cards for bob hope wow. and uh he, he always had his uh, trusty cue card holder guy with him and uh he always used him so if if bob was around uh, i would be there but i wouldn't be holding the cue cards but i helped carry them for the guy that was going to you know, keep them on track. And so through that particular uh, situation, I, I had the opportunity to meet Bob Hope face to face. So uh, so I was around all these uh, well-known people. So, you know, meeting Jim Henson and, and then the life I still was uh, really tickled inside to meet some uh, every great that came along exactly. in my life.
2: That's like me and my show here is, you know, I, I interview people I loved as a kid, and so I just get a kick out of just, I mean, I'm talking to Baby Fozzie right now. And I love Baby Fozzie.
1: <laughs> it's a worldwide character, which uh, it thrills me because uh, it really took off. It's just we don't see that particular show anymore. <clears throat> I don't know. It was uh, had something to do with the studios not running it, but if there are fans out there that... exactly. Well, Love the show. Uh, maybe write Disney a letter and yeah. tell them uh, you you prefer the animated version of Jim Henson's Puppet Babies. It's kind of been tucked away for yeah. No kidding. View, I
2: I've always just assumed that they ran into legal rights with some of the music, some of the you know the movie clips they showed on the episodes.
1: Uh, I was hearing. Uh, from somebody that that might have been the issue only because it had something to do with, as you say, we had various clips of uh, famous movies Mm -hmm. in the show. Uh, One of the characters would look under the bed and you'd see the Star Wars uh, starship fight scene going on, but uh, apparently they were all cleared to run those film clips in perpetuity. And so something happened somewhere, if that was the case. I yeah. don't know what the, the legal cases were, but all I heard is when I brought it up to somebody involved, they said, nope, those were all okay, wow. too. And so if that's the issue, I don't know what and, happened.
2: Yeah, when, when Disney ended up buying Lucasfilm, you know, Indiana Jones and Star Wars, I thought for sure that's the perfect time to, re- to release Muppet Babies, because most of the clips we saw on Muppet Babies were Lucas products, you know, Star Wars, Indiana oh. Jones.
1: Yeah, so that's why I can't say what, what the reasons were. All I know is they weren't showing them for so long, and uh, uh, I would get fan letters saying, "Where, where are the shows?" And I said, "You've got to write to the studio and tell them." Uh, you maybe the more people that wrote, the more exactly. they get the message. But exactly. Yeah. I don't know.
2: I think I, how maybe that part was. maybe I'll start up a like a online petition for people to sign it. That's not a bad idea.
1: Well, there is a a, a site called the Muppet Central, and they have every sense of Muppets uh, broken down from the Muppet Show to Sesame Street to anything that Muppet was involved in. And so they do have a a section for Muppet Babies, and then they also have Muppet Baby products and things. So it really uh, is like broken down... Micro organized there. (laughs) So if you put them up at babies, you'll see a bunch of the letters. I I saw a lot of letters through the 2000s, but uh, apparently people are talking about them still, but I don't know why the studio won't do something.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's very odd.
1: I'm a talent. I don't know the uh, (laughs) the technical parts (laughs) of it. So I just, uh, if if I hear something, I'll answer it. It was best I know. Yeah, exactly.
2: Now, shortly after Muppet Babies, actually it could have even been during Muppet Babies, you filled in for Barry Gordon on Ninja Turtles because he was the original voice of Donatello on Bebop. Tell me about those episodes of Ninja Turtles that you did.
1: Well, if, if people remember Barry Gordon, even way before that, uh, he was a character actor. and I, I remember seeing him on the Jack Benny show
0: yeah, back
1: in yeah. the 60s. And uh, so, yeah, he he worked his way up to an you know, adult actor, and then uh, that branched out into doing voice work. He also eventually became president of the Screen Actors Guild. I which, know, yeah, uh, member of. And uh, so, due to that position, he had to be available to go to some negotiation meetings or uh, uh, okay, some meetings to get to uh, regarding business uh, for the whole guild, and couldn't make certain sessions of the cartoon. So they put the call out again for somebody who could sound like his character and I gave it a shot. Uh, again, I was still young on the block at that time in um, my early 30s, I believe. And uh, so I was able to give that youthfulness and I did it from what I heard rather than watching the show. I was just listening to his character in particular. And gave it to them. And they also said, plus he also is the voice of Bebop. So uh, basically he was uh, doing Donatello like this.
0: And then Bebop was, oh, get turtles.
1: <laughs> so uh, uh, luckily my voice was flexible enough to recreate uh, that character as well. And uh, they called and said to come on in until Barry can come back. So... The guys doing the totals at the conventions and everything, they're terrific. They're on the road promoting it still and doing flashback memories and everything. So I occasionally show up at a convention just as including the Turtles is one of the voices I've done, but I think they did over 200 episodes, and Mm -hmm. I was included Mm in about six or seven, but uh, I am part of the Turtle history, apparently, because we get lots of fans coming in and uh, asking me questions about the Turtles, but I wasn't as involved (laughs) in it as much as the others, but I I was happy to be part of it. Uh, Later on, I think they do that for a couple other characters as well. uh, They did, yeah. Some voice people that duplicated others but and well another side thing because nobody would know of this but years before that uh, Barry was the voice of the Nestle Quick Rabbit Really? <laughs> For an yeah wow. and uh whether they were looking to do something more with the character and he wasn't available or something happened where I was brought in to try to sound like him as well and uh Back then, I didn't uh, know much about what his n- normal voice was like. He uh, was an animated rabbit, so I, I listened to it, and uh, this was way before they even thought of me for the Ninja Turtles. Wow, he wasn't even out. So apparently, I, I was in that voice range of Barry as well.
2: How many? Days. How many commercials did you do for for the Nestle Quick Rabbit?
1: No, I auditioned for oh, it. Audition, uh, okay, audition. I think he basically did continue the character or else if they didn't do anything more after that. They just, I think, we were, were looking for somebody who could sound like him in case he couldn't make it. Okay. And, uh, uh, they didn't definitely offer it to me. They just were, again, listening to other people. And, uh, I, I was one that they thought of for that as well. Interesting, wow. Yeah, Cool. Down the line, I got Barry's voice for the Ninja Turtle. So, <laughs> uh, thank you, Barry. <laughs> and, but I could sound like you.
2: What's What's coming up for you? Are you working on anything right now?
1: Uh, currently, in the last uh, less than a year ago, I switched representation for my voice uh, projects. So I'm getting my name out there with the new talent reps right now. My agents are now CESD, uh, talent agency in, in Los Angeles now. And so we're letting people know this is where I'm at and they're representing me. So they're sending me out. To, I, I've come close to a couple of projects that were where I was in the top 10 choices. And uh, as it turned out, it went to somebody else. But uh, uh, another interesting background, bit of information, I was up for a sound-alike of another character uh, and uh, because the guy couldn't make it to other commitments as well. That happens occasionally. And uh, so I I did the best sound-alike of him as I could, and uh, we were hanging in there thinking, okay, Nobody can beat this is mm-hmm. right in my ballpark. Uh, but then I got the call that said, uh, another guy decided to come back. Mm. So uh he was able to make the sessions. But uh so I'm I'm always uh, got a hand in uh, voices creatively somewhere. I'm I'm auditioning at this point. Uh I, I don't have anything uh to promote right now that uh which is why I don't do too many interviews. I, I like going on there to promote because that's part of the business. Exactly,
0: exactly. Uh
1: advertise where you can and uh uh but I, I have been in uh most recently was a movie called Trolls where I did some of the background crowd noises and it's called automatic dialogue replacement for if there are characters in the that that needed uh voices. So that came out last November. Yeah. And uh So that's the kind of things I I keep busy with. uh, knocking on doors, telling people I'm still here. Some (laughs) people didn't even know I did sound alike. They thought, oh, you're that voice guy uh, for animation cartoons and things. I said, no, I can duplicate voice. I do commercials. When I first moved into L.A. at the end of the 70s, my younger voice, when when I pushed it a little more, I would say, hi, get yourself a new car from such and such thing. And they people who heard me said, you know, you sound like a young Casey Kasem. (laughs) And I said, well, it's just how I talk because I'm from the Midwest. Casey, I think, was from Detroit. And so it had that sound. And I said, oh, well, good. He's working quite a bit. They said, that's just (laughs) it. He's on all all sorts of things. They want sounds of uh, (laughs) different voices uh, other than his. So I tried to uh, place my voice as best I could With not sounding like him, but uh, uh, then I I eventually got into animation and uh, there I could bend the voice all sorts of different ways. I learned how to do that to get away from sounding like Casey Kasem at the time. Uh, Then as he came full circle, I eventually played with trying to sound like him. And when I do Casey Kasem, this is Casey Kasem's Counting Down the Top 40. And and, uh, people who knew him said, that's Casey. That is is him. So uh, that's some of the other things I get involved with, uh, doing voice matching and and, uh, kind of off voice matching, because sometimes they'll say they don't want him to sound like the original guy. Uh, So that's what keeps me busy.
2: Do you have any like convention dates coming up you wanted to throw out there?
1: I didn't get the dates yet. There's a couple coming up. Well, I think one in Carson, California, sometime in August or okay. September. I didn't get – and there – I don't want to – well, I, actually, since I've signed a contract, I can let the cat out of the bag. I'm going to be in the U.K. in February of 2018. Wow. Uh, or, I don't think this is too early to promote it, but yeah. for the people in the UK, uh, it'll be my first uh, UK appearance. Wow. And so I can't wait to meet people on the other side of the world and uh, I shake their hands, talk with them, <laughs> and uh, make some new friends that way. Exactly. Uh, other things I like working on is uh, motivating people. So uh, when I get invited to a convention or just to speak somewhere, uh, I. I bring up what I do and, and my accomplishments, but then I tie it in with how other people can do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit easier than they think it is because they're not building a rocket ship and, and, uh, not having to go as far as I want to meet as many people as I can to let them know what I do. But, uh, I, I, I really love, uh, giving motivational speeches uh, or, or coaching people. And so that's some of the other stuff I do on the side when I'm not doing a voice. Copy.
2: Wow. That's great. I love and that.
1: I, I, yeah, I just wanted to get that out there because I, you know, it's one of those things people go, oh, I didn't know you did that. Exactly, after,
0: well,
1: yeah. I started doing it only because I loved helping other people uh, achieve what they want to do because I did it. And uh, so who knows if I find a a representative uh, for getting me out just for that matter. uh, I might be on the road doing that.
2: (laughs) Nice. I hope so.
1: It would be great.
2: Well, all right, Greg. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for all the amazing childhood memories while watching
1: Muppet Babies. Oh, I loved it. We all loved it. Yeah, we we had a lot of fun. (laughs) And we're still around somewhere in the ethers. I didn't even do my Huckleberry Hound for you, but this is uh, this is how I did Young Huck, and uh, yeah, he's still around too. Even wow. though the show's not around,
0: oh, well, actually, some of the
1: clips are on the, uh, the internet as well on YouTube. So, uh, I don't I don't know if everything's listed under my name, but if you knew what I was part of, you exactly, yeah,
2: to yeah, exactly. I had to do that. Had to get lost on YouTube looking up some Greg Bird clips. <laughs>
1: It's, uh, because I also was part of a iconic, uh, group of people who did voices for cart, uh, cartoon voices for cereals. <laughs> this is, uh, back in the eighties, I was the voice of the honey drop for golden. Oh, yeah! Cereals. Wow. And, uh, I think I threw that onto my Facebook page just to say, here's, uh, a way you can find the clip of that because eventually it popped up on YouTube as well. So, uh, yeah, I've been around. Was, somebody probably heard me somewhere <laughs> uh, all these years and not know it was me. I mean, like I said, the voice on John Travolta on that movie, uh, other movies that I've done voice matches. Uh, there's some, some movies that don't give you credits because they can't say, oh, the guy that was in the back, that was great. Yeah, <laughs> Whatever. yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, there, here's one that I get a lot of reaction from. Uh, a couple years ago, or a few years ago, was a, a movie called The Other Guys with Will Ferrell and yeah. Mark Wahlberg, And I had a voice in that that they weren't sure they were going to keep, but when they did the movie review, uh, the, the uh, test screenings, uh, it always got a big laugh, so they left it in. It was in the first 12 minutes of The Other Guys, and now that it's been out for a while. Um, Mark Wahlberg is going back to learn his police training because he accidentally shot Derek Jeter in the movie. (laughs) And uh, so as he's going back through how to properly uh, handle a gun and all that, uh, in in the classroom, you hear a voice in the back of the room yell out, You should have shot A-Rod! And that (laughs) would (laughs) be... And, again, they didn't know that was going to work for them when they did it in the <laughs> test screenings. They just went crazy with oh, the crowd. And so they uh, left it in, and I'm in it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And they actually singled that, that portion out on YouTube somewhere, too. So <laughs> if you look up other guys, and uh, it was a surprise, but... Uh, People pick pick a movie apart and put all, all sorts of things in there. Wow! So those are some of the uh, you know eclectic things that I've uh, been part of as well. So
2: yeah, because when you go on like IMDb or somewhere, it just will say additional voices. So we have no wow. idea who you actually voiced in those in those projects.
1: Yeah, and, well, I, I've worked for The Simpsons for six years and. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have a a guest star uh, voice uh, in in one of the episodes for Bart versus Thanksgiving. Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: Bart Bart ran away from home on Thanksgiving, and uh, I was three voice characters in that particular episode that people could uh, say they had names or they had characters that they had heard. In the other six years of working with The Simpsons, I was various characters that didn't have names. So if Homer went to a bowling alley and everybody else was bowling there, you'd hear the the crew just going, Hey, look, it's Homer. You know, and, Hi, Homer, how's it going? (laughs) And all that kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, that kept me busy for six years as well. So that's what I've been doing for about, yeah, you know. Nine Years on the Mother Babies originally and uh, Nine Years in Reruns, Six Years on the Simpsons, and all sorts of a lot of fun things in between.
2: Well, all right, man. I don't want to keep you too much longer. This has been great. Thank you so much for coming on.
1: Great. Good talking with you.
0: Thanks for listening to Saturday Morning Rewind. Please check them out on Facebook and Twitter. And That's all, folks.